I guess I guess we're live. Yeah. All right. Very fun. That's also that's always very good. I didn't get the live uh, notification on my on my screen. That's hilarious. Uh, it just it it said it was like ready to record. Uh, sorry. Uh, all right. Hello, guys. How are you? <laughs> Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll. Uh, that's that's another blooper on the blooper reel. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and hello, uh, we are, you're live, we are live, hey Ryan, hey Michael Francis, how are you? Uh, thank you guys so much for letting me know. Uh, hope everybody's doing well on this Friday night, what a moment, that's hilarious. Uh, hopefully... Uh, the rest of the shows go a little bit better than that, a little bit cleaner than that. Yeah, just it like usually there is a direct uh, like a flashing red light that shows up when you're when you're live and it just never showed up for me. But all good. We are going to have a lot of fun and I am excited to discuss this game that just happened tonight as well as do a quick early preview of this OKC Minnesota, or not OKC, but this Minnesota-Denver series and everything that's about to go into this. Going to be really interesting, going to be really fun. I hope everybody's having a good night once again. Uh, but let's now talk about this game. What a surprising result. I did not expect this to happen. I, I don't know if, if you guys listened to the last show, you probably were thinking, man, Ryan, you, you just assumed that the OKC Thunder are going to get through the T-Wolves. And lo and behold, I did. I thought that they would get through. I thought that Shea would go off, and I did not realize that the bane of his existence would be his own cousin, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Shea goes for 22 points on 19 shots, does get to the free throw line 12 times, but uh, the problem with being a a guard that doesn't really take threes is that it's hard to make up the math game if you go 5 of 19 from the field. Basically, five. I think it was 5 of 16 from 2. That's tough. That is a tough place to be. Minnesota did a great job against Shea Gilgis Alexander, and that should, I think, reflect at least a little bit interestingly on the Jamal Murray matchup against Minnesota, where they'll have a lot of length, they'll have a lot of athleticism. Even without Jaden McDaniels, there's going to be some interesting guys that they can throw at Jamal, try to make his life difficult. But uh, I, I was surprised by this result. I thought that the Thunder would put up a little bit more of a fight. It's a problem when they shoot 32.5% from three. They went 13 of 40. The T-Wolves went 13 of 32. They shot 40%. Thunder shot 32%. That's a a pretty tough margin to make up when the Thunder only score 30 points in the paint. You read that right. They didn't shoot well from three. They didn't shoot well in the paint. And the T-Wolves, I think, really locked it down. They put together maybe their best performance of the season in the most perfect time for them to do so. Uh, They have 58 points in the paint along with 26 free throws. Uh, They shot 40% from three. This was a really impressive performance from the T-Wolves, and I think that they are ready for for this upcoming matchup with Denver, and it's going to be interesting to see what they can bring to that. I've just been super impressed with Carl Anthony Towns. I think that he's the guy that when you think about what this T-Wolves matchups is going to look like, in previous iterations, the Towns-Jokic matchups were always very interesting because Towns would have success individually until he got into foul trouble or took it too personally. 
got some turnovers, and then the T-Wolves would always lose. Last year was a little bit different because without Murray, without MPJ, Denver didn't really have a great matchup uh, against the T-Wolves where they, they always were, were struggling with the way that the T-Wolves would guard them, and, and they struggled guarding the T-Wolves too. Last year, the Nuggets were outdone by the T-Wolves 3-1 to one in that matchup. This year was 2-2, although I do want to clarify, and I, I will clarify a little bit in the second segment. We'll do two segments today. Uh, that the Nuggets were on a, a second night of a back-to-back in three of the matchups, three of the four matchups in this particular year. Uh, but still, you gotta you gotta like what Carl Anthony Towns has provided. Twenty-eight points, eleven of sixteen from the field, only one of four from three. But he didn't have to take a lot of threes against the Thunder tonight. He used his size advantage. Didn't get to the free throw line a ton, only five times. But offensive rebounds had three of them. Uh, had three assists, was doing a good job of facilitating from the high post a lot of the time. And I think this matchup is going to be really interesting for the Nuggets and how they choose to guard Towns and Gobert, the combination of those two on the floor at the same time. Uh, I don't know what the T-Wolves lineup is going to look like. We will cross that bridge when we come to it. Tonight, Nikhil Alexander-Walker started. I don't know if he's going to start against Denver. It wouldn't surprise me if Kyle Anderson starts against Denver. That, I think, would make a little bit more sense. But uh, the T-Wolves have some questions to answer. They have to match up with the Nuggets. The Nuggets, instead, will go to their bread and butter most of the time. But uh, Cat looked great. Cat was very, very good. That entire starting lineup for them, uh, each of them scored in double figures. Alexander Walker was the only guy uh, that... Was, I, I think, a question mark in that starting lineup, but he had 12 points and six assists and three steals and two blocks, plus 18 in his 37 minutes against mostly Shea Gilgis Alexander, his cousin. Uh, really impressive stuff. Anthony Edwards uh, was fine, was, was pretty good. I think he was eight of 16 at one point, so he finished eight of 19, not the most important uh, eight of 19 that he's ever had, but 19 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, two steals a block. Filled up the box score himself. Rudy Gobert, very impactful in this OKC matchup. This is one where I thought that OKC would be able to take advantage of his spacing a little bit more. Uh, The fact that he was in drop coverage a little bit more. And the Thunder just couldn't really make him pay. They could not take advantage of him in that way. So Denver can take that or can at least understand that a little bit more. They're going to have to find ways to put Gobert into positions of discomfort where He's not very comfortable in what he's trying to do. Um, Casey Mack asks, uh, is, uh, I think you're saying Nas. Is Nas and McDaniels out for this whole series? Nas, I'm pretty sure, will be out for the whole series. McDaniels, we just don't know. He did break his hand, though. So, like, um, and it, it's a shooting hand. So, it's not like, even if he comes back, like, he's going to be playing with a club on, most, most likely. So, I would be really surprised if McDaniels was back for this series. And I I do believe that Nas will not be back for this series. I I think the designation that he got was six weeks, and that is likely through May, uh, because I think he sustained this late March, um, late March, early April, if I'm not mistaken. So we will just have to see. Uh, But this matchup for the T-Wolves was really interesting. They played a very small number of players uh, they played seven guys mostly. McLaughlin was their eighth guy. He played three minutes in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't look very good. Had a turnover in a key moment. Uh, 
just not great in general. But I do want to mention this. The points in the paint is a big deal for the T-Wolves. When you have two seven-footers, when you have Anthony Edwards, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Mike Conley's very smart. He understands where to get certain places on the floor. And then you have Kyle Anderson, who came off the bench and played 32 minutes. All of those guys know how to score in the paint. All of them do. That is going to be their default instinct, is to try to get into the middle of the paint, try to get to the front of the rim, try to get fouled, make things easy for yourselves. Other guys like Anderson has a floater, Conley has a floater, uh, Anthony Edwards has a, a he had a decent Eurostep floater today. Those guys are going to attack, and they attacked tonight. They attacked a Thunder defense. That was it. Was just overmatched. There was there's no other good way to describe it. I think that the Thunder are a good team. I think that they were in a complete mismatch situation tonight, where having to start Jalen Williams, uh, like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara at the four, who's like six six and basically uh, Christian Brown's size, and then you have. Uh, Jalen Williams from Arkansas, who's like 6'8", 6'9", and is basically like a larger Jeff Green, maybe. Uh, having both of those guys in there to protect the paint was really tough. Now they had Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and they had Lou Dort. Josh Giddy's pretty tall. But like there was just no real resistance at the rim from the Thunder today. And, and that's one thing. When, when you are a team that is super extremely motivated, like the T-Wolves are, they're going to try to get to the places where they know they need to get. And points in the paint was definitely a key for them. It will continue to be a key against Denver because Denver, they don't really defend the paint that well themselves. They're not a great interior defense with Jokic in there. Now, it's a little bit different when Jokic can just play pick and roll defense against Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think Aaron Gordon is a pretty good matchup against Carl Anthony Towns. Michael Porter will be helping on the on the weak side and we will see if he can be involved as a good weak side helper there or if he's going to be involved uh, in switches and, and isos against Anthony Edwards. But if they try to go at him, that's fine. Like, that's not the most important thing in the world in my mind. Uh, but I do think that just with the way that the T-Wolves do this, with the way that they played tonight, you can see what they're going to try to do against Denver. And Denver's going to have to respond physically. The other thing that really stands out is that it's just such a unique fit. The rotation players, like I mentioned tonight, you have the starting lineup of Conley, Anthony Edwards, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Towns, Gobert, and then off the bench, Kyle Anderson, as I mentioned, played 32 minutes. Torian Prince played 20. Jordan McLaughlin was their eighth guy, but they really played seven. They played seven and a half is, is how I would really describe it. And you look at the size of each of those guys. Mike Conley is undersized at his position, but Ant is 6'5". Nah is 6'5", but super long. Towns, Gobert, seven-footers. Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, those guys are 6'8", 6'9". And you just have a lot of size and athleticism and dynamic play. And a guy like Kyle Anderson, who isn't super athletic, he's still like got a 7'3 wingspan and is just extremely smart. So they have this unique fit where they're able to play uh, when they when they take Conley off the floor, for example, they can play Edwards, Anderson, Torian Prince, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. They can run Kyle Anderson as their point, and they've got a, a lineup that is just massive. Where the second tallest guy or the second smallest guy is six eight, 
and having that ability and that flexibility to really mix and match your lineups is going to be important. And it's going to put Denver's guys at a, at a slight disadvantage or at least a slight discomfort. And so Denver's going to have to account for that. They're going to have to find ways to match up with that team. And I, I do think that Denver's going to be fine, but I also think that it's going to be a little bit of a shock when they are playing as hard as they are. Towns is playing as hard as he is. Gobert is blocking a bunch of shots. And Denver's going to get hit in the mouth at some point, and they're going to have to respond. Now, T-Wolves is going to be the same way. It's not like... It's not like this doesn't go both ways, and I still think that Denver's like no predictions, no predictions. Let me just let me let me refrain from that immediately. But in general, like because the T Wolves are such a unique fit, where you can have Gobert as a rim rolling center at the in the middle, or you can have Towns as a pick and pop big or a, or a playmaking big from an ISO position at the five up at the top of the key. There's a lot of different ways that they can use those guys. There's a lot of different ways that they will attack this. And it's going to put Denver in a tough position at various points. So they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to be good. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Denver handles it. I think that Towns Gobert dynamic, probably going to define the series. Just the way that Denver attacks each of those matchups. Are they going to be good in the Towns Gobert minutes? Are they going to be average? Are they going to be bad? Is Denver going to take advantage of the Towns at five minutes? Are they going to take advantage of Gobert no Towns minutes? Because I think that there are going to be very few times where one of the, where both of those guys are off the floor. That's the one great thing that you could talk about with the T-Wolves and say, hey, even if the fit with them isn't super clean, they're always going to have a quality center on the floor. And in some ways, like a, a super, like supremely quality center on the floor. Like I know that there's been a lot of, Jokes made at Gobert's expense. I know that Towns isn't the most reliable dude uh, in terms of his ability to uh, really impact a series and, and impact winning. Uh, that that hasn't really come through in his career so far. But they still have talents and they still are dynamic. And that's going to be one of the things I'm watching for sure. Uh, so we're going to see what it looks like. I think like in, in my first estimation right now, I think that the Gobert minutes for Denver are going to be better than the Towns at five minutes. And then when both of those guys play together, you have to win. Like those, those are the minutes that you have to really take advantage of. And if Denver can slowly play one of those guys off the floor, or at least limit their impact, that's going to be where the series is won. I think it's probably going to be Gobert. I think the Towns probably is going to have to be out there for scoring purposes because I, I doubt that Minnesota can really slow down Denver. Like tonight, Minnesota scored 120. Under no circumstance can I see Denver really scoring 95 in, in a situation like this where Denver's going to have a lot of opportunities for open threes with the way that Jokic plays, with the way that Murray plays. When those guys are on the court, they're going to create a lot of open shots for their teammates. Now, the non-Jokic minutes are going to be interesting. That's going to be something that Denver's got to figure out. But I do think that with the way that Denver plays, the way that Minnesota likes to defend, like they're going to want to play a lot of drop, but that's just going to leave Jokic open for floaters. It's going to leave him open on an island against one of those centers. And I feel really good about those matchups. Now it's when those guys start bringing help that it's going to be a little bit different. But going to cross that bridge when we come to it, going to have a lot of talks 
about how this looks over the course of these next couple, couple like for 48 hours, basically. Uh, so we will see. We will see what it ultimately looks like. But in general, I'm still pretty excited for this matchup. This should be pretty fun. And I hope Nuggets fans are too, because I, I see T-Wolves talking like T-Wolves fans are, are saying like, this is the, the least scary one seed we've ever seen. This is the least scary uh, matchup that, that we could possibly have for a one seed where we're going up in one eight series and, oh man, we could beat the Nuggets. Nuggets are, Nuggets are whack. Like we had that series 2-2 in, in them during the regular season. There's no way that we can't beat them. T-Wolves in six is what's going on right now. I would call Cap. Like this, this team is way, way better the Nuggets are than what they showed against the T Wolves in the regular season. I feel extremely confident about that. So we will see. But in the end, let's take a break now. When we come back, we are going to discuss those previous matchups and everything that kind of goes into it. We will be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Baseball is back and the push for postseason is on for hockey and, as you know, for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the best wagering app around and with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Got a couple of interesting announcements that I want to tell everybody about. Uh, the first is that tomorrow, Swipa, myself, Matt Moore, and Adam Morris are going to be doing a show at 2 p.m. Uh, we're really excited about that show. I, I've had like some people say that it's the Avengers assembling for, for this time, and, and I'm really excited for that. So make sure... To find that show, it will be on YouTube. I, I think it's going to be on the MHS channel, so if you, you don't have to go anywhere else to go find it. But if not, it will be on Swipeacam's YouTube channel, so make sure to tune in for that. It's going to be a 2 p.m. Mountain Time conversation between myself, Swipa, Adam, and Matt. Should be great. Those guys are incredible. They're some of my best friends, and I, I really do appreciate all the fun times. Uh, that we have with them. But the second announcement is we've got a Stiffs Night Out that I want to share with everybody. Uh, This is a new thing. I I don't know if you guys knew, but Mile High Sports acquired Denver Stiffs. We acquired Denver Stiffs, and that is going to be a really interesting dynamic. It's basically the fan side of the media reporting and and the analysis that we're doing. And we're going to combine our powers between Mile High Sports and Denver Stiffs and throw a Stiffs night out. Game two on Wednesday night, it's at the Sportsbook Bar and Grill in Highlands Ranch for game two on Wednesday night. Make sure to be there. There's also going to be one on game three on Friday night at Haters Tap 14 in Lodo. So 
both of those locations, Sportsbook Bar and Grill, Haters Tap 14, Game 2, Game 3. Going to be a lot of fun. I don't think I'll be there for those, just given that I'm going to cover the games, but you'll be able to meet a whole bunch of people with MHS, with Denver Stiffs. Uh, Should be a really, really fun event. All right, let's now discuss the previous matchups because this has been like a, a thing that I've seen going around. I saw I saw this on the timeline today that hey, T Wolves and the Nuggets they they are two two series. They they had a, they played each other two two. They played each other even during the regular season. Now keep in mind that the regular season doesn't mean shit anymore. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, Denver last year. They won the season series with the Golden State Warriors 3-1, to and uh, that didn't really matter that much in the end. So it's it's never going to be the same between the regular season and the playoffs, partially because Towns didn't play in any of the four games for the T-Wolves, partially because Denver was on a second night of a back-to-back in three of the four matchups, and there was one matchup that... Jokic, Murray, and Aaron Gordon all missed, and Denver lost that game by 30 points. So these matchups, take them with a grain of salt. I'm going to give you as much context as I can in the brief time that I have, but let's go through them. January 2nd, Denver played T-Wolves on a second night of a back-to-back. If you remember, January 1st was New Year's. That was a day they played the Boston Celtics, had a massive win against the Boston Celtics in that game. Really, really impressive stuff. Then they went to Minnesota on that next night and lost. Didn't look great. Aaron Gordon looked pretty tired. Uh, I think he was still dealing with his shoulder injury like, and was definitely still hampered by that. But he shot 4 of 18 when guarded a lot of the time by Rudy Gobert. Uh, J.D. McDaniels, who will not play in this series, shot 9 of 10 from the field. Denver lost that game 124-111. Murray took 12 shots. He didn't look himself. Uh, Definitely wasn't his best performance. Jokic was fine, but because Aaron Gordon was in the paint as much as he was trying to abuse that Gobert matchup, it kind of took Denver out of their rhythm. So I think that Denver will be better prepared for this matchup and for that look with Kyle Anderson defending Jokic, with Rudy Gobert defending AG. They'll be way more prepared for that. I think that Jokic will be way more aggressive in that matchup as well. Next, a couple weeks later, January 18th, Denver was on another second night of a back-to-back. But this time, because there was no Gobert, no Carl Anthony Towns, the Nuggets played really, really well. Uh, they allowed some offense that they probably shouldn't have allowed in that matchup. But in general, Denver was very good. Jokic went for a crazy stat line, 31 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. Jamal Murray had 28 points on 18 shots. That was with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards playing. And there were some clutch moments that Jamal had in that game against Jaden McDaniels. And Jamal, you know, is a gamer. He's going to rise to those occasions. He's going to rise to those moments. And it was very clear that Denver, despite it being a four-point win, like they were the better team that day, despite being on the second night of a back-to-back. Next, a couple weeks later, Nuggets, another second night of a back-to-back. This time, they didn't play Jokic, Murray, or Aaron Gordon. They started Michael Porter. They started Christian Brown. Christian Brown had 19 points on 10 shots in that matchup. Uh, Michael Porter had 22 points on 16 shots, if I remember the box score right. But I think he went 2 of 10 from 3 
or something close to that. Denver, they lost 128 to 98, got blown out. Clearly not close. Uh, the T-Wolves had everybody playing in that game except for Towns. So they were very clearly ready for that one. Jalen Noel off the bench was a plus 35 in his minutes. It wasn't entirely because of him, but they played really well. They shot the they shot the ever-loving hell out of the ball. And that's just kind of what happens in, in those particular matchups. Um, next one, final one. This was two days later after Denver lost on that second night of a back-to-back. They were mad. They were angry. And the T-Wolves benched their starters after halftime because they were getting beaten so badly in that game. D'Angelo Russell was ejected in that game. That was the very last thing he did as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was the day right before uh, D'Lo was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers in that three-team deal between Utah, Minnesota, and the Lakers. And I thought that was just a pretty funny tidbit where uh, that was the last. That was the last thing he did, and, and I'm sure T Wolves fans are like, "Yeah, thank you for nothing for your contributions to Minnesota." Uh, Jokic, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 16 assists in that game. Rudy Gobert did play in that game. Nas Reed did play in that game. Uh, it didn't really matter. Michael Porter had 30 points. He was fantastic in that matchup. Aaron, and that was with Jaden McDaniel's playing as well. So there were some interesting matchups in that uh, where. You had Gobert, Nas Reed, and Jaden McDaniels on one end. And then you had Jokic, MPJ, and Aaron Gordon, who had 24 points, on the other end. I remember that game vividly, and I remember one of my takeaways being Denver's frontcourt is just so much better. <laughs> it's just so much better than the Timberwolves, despite the fact that the Timberwolves have a really solid frontcourt. Like, there's just levels to this. When Denver is playing at their best, they have the best frontcourt in the NBA. That's when they're at their best. They're not always at their best, but there is a level to that. I think the only team that could really combat that is the Milwaukee Bucks with uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. And yeah, I actually think that they probably have the best front court in the NBA, but Denver's up there. They are really, really close. And then you've got uh, no Murray in that game, but they started Bruce Brown. That's a lineup that I would expect Denver to go back to pretty consistently that Bruce Brown at point guard in place of Murray lineup. And then Denver won that game 146 to 112. Clearly a very strong message to be sent. So interesting stuff in those matchups. Overall takeaways from that are that all of the games are drastically different. Denver, they didn't really have any major takeaways there. Sometimes Jokic was the best player on the court. Sometimes I think Aaron Gordon kind of got in the way of that interior matchup against Gobert. Sometimes uh, Denver, when they were on the second night of a back-to-back, they just rested their guys, and that's not going to happen in the playoffs. I I feel pretty comfortably saying that. Uh, But my initial keys for Denver in this one, and then we'll get out of here because I I don't really feel super comfortable saying, like, hey, I'm certainly not going to make a prediction. We're still very early on in this, and then I want to save some content for the the Captain America and Black Widow and Iron Man show tomorrow. Um, I, see, I see this, Casey. I see this. This is a this is the Avengers assembling, and I appreciate it. Um, all right. Initial keys for Denver. Actually, Cedric says, Ryan, don't forget we had quite a bit of people sitting out some of those games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's just going to be it's going to be a matchup 
issue for Denver. And like they're going to be the healthier team. And that's going to be first time in a long time that Denver can really say that against another team in the playoffs. Uh, Jaden McDaniel's not going to play. Nas Reed not going to play. As long as Denver's guys stay healthy, you're going to feel pretty good about it. But initial keys for Denver. I think that Nikola Jokic has to outplay Cat every single night. I think that that is the baseline where you start matchup to matchup and say, look, what does Jokic have to do in these matchups? What does he have to do on a consistent basis? The Timberwolves are going to throw a lot at him. They're going to try to pressure him as much as possible. Chris Finch, very familiar with Nikola Jokic, having previously coached in Denver. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, obviously have had major battles with Jokic over the years, having been in the same division for many, many years. Uh, This is going to be an interesting one. But if Jokic isn't going to be the best player on the floor, then it's going to be really, really difficult for Denver to win this series. I think he will be. Like, no, no predictions, but like, I think that Jokic has a great chance of doing that. And as long as he can stay out of foul trouble, as long as he can comfortably defend Carl Anthony Towns without giving up easy lanes to the basket, uh, as long as he can match up with Rudy Gobert when he's out there, as long as he can set the table for everybody, make sure that the offense is rolling, and then take advantage of the one-on-ones when he has them. If he can do that on a consistent basis, I don't see any reason why Denver should lose this series. I really do think that Denver, because they have the best player, they are going to be in a good position. That's pretty simple. Pretty simple with this. If it is boiled down to just that, then Denver has a, a really great spot. Now, I do think that there is an argument to be made that Denver has the best player, but they may not have the second, third, or fourth best player in this series. That is where Jamal Murray comes in. Jamal can't be the fifth best player in this series. He's got to be second, third, or fourth. Like Jokic can be the first. Like he can be the top dog. But if Murray isn't going to be the second, third, or fourth best player in this series, then Denver obviously has an issue. Now, I think he can outplay Anthony Edwards. I think he can outplay Carl Anthony Towns. I think he can outplay Rudy Gobert. I think he can outplay Mike Conley. There's no doubt in my mind that he can do that, that he probably should do that. But this is one of those things where I've said a lot about Jamal. I've propped him up. I've given him like like all of the credit and the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. I've given him all of that. But he's going to have to deliver. This is the playoffs where he has to make good on that, where he has to be the best version of himself once again. Uh, We have a comment here. Uh, Murray is a 16-game player, says Tyson. I think that's extremely extremely true. Freddie says, yep, it's time for Murray to shine, and he will. I feel pretty comfortable saying that, that if he doesn't shine, then it's going to be a long series for Denver, even if Jokic is the best guy. Like, I think that Denver can win the series even if Murray is the fifth best player. Like, I think that that can absolutely happen because Jokic is that good. But there's a difference here between making this a Nuggets in seven where they had to gut it out and only won because they had their last game at home, or if it's an early series where Murray is so dynamic that the Wolves have to bend their defense not just to Jokic, but to Murray as well. And in those non-Jokic minutes, 
the minutes that the that the Timberwolves were banking on winning. That if they don't win those minutes, or if they lose those minutes, and it's because of Jamal Murray, then that will change everything in the calculus. I feel strongly about that. I think that this is a series where Jamal can reintroduce himself to the national uh, group. And the things that I believe in his talents, the things that I believe in his ability to get things done, I'm not sure if that is shared across every every location around the national media and every location around national fandom. I think that people think Murray is good. I don't know if they think Murray is great. And so that's going to have to be the pivot point here. It's like, I think that Jokic is going to outplay Cat. But if Murray doesn't outplay his own matchups, then that will be where things change. Next, Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon. This is one where obviously, like, I, I could I could run through the entire rotation and say, you are the key. You are the key. I think Michael Porter in particular is a really big deal here because there are going to be matchups for him where because of the way that the Timberwolves have to guard, because of the way that they decide to play, where they try to front Jokic with Kyle Anderson, maybe they have Towns guarding MPJ on the perimeter. Maybe that's the way that they try to hide Towns in a matchup like that to try to avoid picking up fouls. If that happens, Denver's got to find ways to get Michael Porter in space and to have him get open for three. There was a stack going around today from NBA University. I think it was 80% effective field goal percentage for Michael Porter Jr. on uncontested spot-up jumpers. Led the entire NBA. That is massive. That is so big. If he's able to do that on a consistent basis in this series, that's a matchup advantage that the T-Wolves just don't have. They don't have a guy that can knock down shots like that. Like even Cat, like he he's going to be doing so many other things that if he were to hit five or six threes a game in a series, then that changes things. But Michael Porter's capable of that too. And if he does that, and then can also hold up defensively on switches, whether it's against Edwards, whether it's against Gobert, whether it's against Cat, like if Michael Porter can hold up, then that dude is going to be so impactful and so important to a matchup like this. So Got to play it safe. Got to just stay within himself and take advantage of those opportunities. But if he can, watch out. I mean, this is this could be a big Michael Porter series. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And the other one being Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon will get the cat assignment. Like, Jokic will guard Gobert while he's out there. Because of the way the Timberwolves are going to stagger their bigs, there will be times where Jokic is on cat. There's no doubt about that. But in the minutes where... Aaron Gordon is out there, and the T-Wolves are playing two bigs. He's going to guard Cat, and he's got to be just physical enough that Cat doesn't feel like he can really bully him in the post, get by him in drives, and he's got to be quick enough on the perimeter to contest all of those jumpers because if he can do that on a consistent basis and at least limit Cat from being the best version of himself like he's been in these last two games, then that is going to supremely help Denver in these series. I don't know if I trust Ant to be a consistently awesome option. Now, he will attack and he'll be really good. But I think the key is Cat. I think the key is if you can limit his overall number of shot attempts, 
to just a reasonable number, then you're going to be okay. You're going to be just fine. And Denver just has too much offense at that point to really kind of soak up that advantage. So we will see. But the last one, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green. Those guys, they're going to have to be better than Jalen Noel, Torian Prince, and Alexander Walker. I think that Kyle Anderson's going to start, so that's why I have that particular grouping off the bench for Minnesota. I think that Jalen Noel is going to be out there. I think that he's going to have to be out there for them so that they can outscore Denver. I think that that's going to be what they try to do. They'll try to have Nikhil Alexander-Walker out there with the bench so that he guards Jamal in those non-Jokic minutes. They'll have Jalen Noel out there. They'll have Tarian Prince out there to try to bomb from three as kind of a, a stretch four. What they end up doing, we'll just we'll just have to see what, what ultimately changes for them. But for Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green, those are Denver's three guys that I think you, you feel pretty comfortable are going to be their main bench guys in this series. Can they outplay the opposition? Can Bruce Brown have a 20-point game? Can he lock in and guard somebody like Mike Conley? Can he lock in and guard somebody like Ant? Ant, at times, was too big for a guy like Bruce Brown. That was a big matchup, and and I think Bruce really got caught on that in several times this particular season. I'll have to go back and look at the matchup data, but I remember that pretty vividly in the first matchup that they had against Minnesota on the road, where Bruce just couldn't really guard Ant in the clutch and was just too small in, in those particular matchups. Can he be big enough for this series? I think he will be. But if not, that's where Christian Brown comes in. Christian Brown is 6'7". He's definitely big enough, and he's definitely athletic enough to match up physically with a guy like Anthony Edwards and slow him down at least a touch. Can he be out there, and in the minutes that Ant is out there, can he slow down Ant at least a little bit? That would be a great thing. And then last one is Jeff Green. Jeff Green is going to have to be big. Because Denver's going to switch everything with their second unit. I feel pretty comfortable with that. Whether it's Zeke Naji out there, whether it's Peyton Watson out there, Vlako Chanchar, whoever it ends up being. Jeff Green's going to be at the four or the five. And whoever is at the four or the five for the T-Wolves, whether it's Cat, whether it's Gobert, whether it's uh, Kyle Anderson, whoever it's going to be. Denver's going to have to be big. Jeff Green's going to have to be big. The best thing that he can do is make those guys work on the defensive end as well. Like he'll have to work and he'll have to fill his role. But the most important thing that he can do is be a strong cutter, to be somebody who moves and is running in transition all the time and play with energy in a way that he hasn't really played a ton over the course of the season. I think that Jeff Green could like, he could absolutely have a 20 point game in this series and T-Wolves fans would be like, what the hell? How did this happen? Well, it's probably because he's cutting back door a million times, and they just don't have the answers on the weak side for that particular stuff. So we'll see what it looks like, but that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at for these particular keys. Jokic has got to outplay Cat. Jamal Murray has to be dynamic. MPJ and EG, they've got to step up and take advantage of their matchups. And then Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, if they outplay the T-Bulls bench, then it's a wrap. Like, if all of those things happen, there's no reason why Denver can't sweep or win the series in five. If Murray is not up to his normal standard in the playoffs, 
this series could go longer. And if Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon kind of fall apart at times, it could be even longer than that. And maybe Denver's taking an early exit. But I do feel pretty good about where Denver's at. Just based off of being at practice those last couple of days, based off of seeing everything that that's Denver really that Denver's trying to do, I feel pretty good about it. I, I think everybody else in Nuggets fandom should too. Uh, no predictions for me. Denver's just got to do what they're supposed to do. It's time to prove it. It's time to step up to the plate. Because if you don't, people are going to laugh at you. There's no doubt about that. But uh, this is a 1-8 series. The previous three years, the 1-8 matchup has only ever yielded a maximum of 4-2 for the 8 seed. And that was last year when New Orleans took Phoenix to six games because Devin Booker went out in game one. So this is going to be a thing. This is going to be something that Denver, they, they just got to step up to the plate and be the better team. And if they're not, like then they didn't deserve the title to begin with. That's that's just how it's got to be. Denver's got to be the best version of themselves. And if they don't get to that point, the T-Wolves can upset them. There's no doubt about it. But I think Denver will be up to the task. I think they'll be ready. And when game one rolls around on Sunday night, uh, you better hope that the T-Wolves are gasping for air. Being in the Mile High City, having played a couple of very intense games this last week, and then having to turn it right around and be in Denver. It's going to be a tough place for them to play. All right, everybody. Let's hit that outro music, Michael. Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I love doing these recap pods, these these kind of reaction pods to these games. Going to have a lot of them. I actually probably won't have a, a ton of them uh, over the course of these next couple days, but I do think that Denver, as long as they keep going, I'm going to be probably recapping the pods in the morning going forward as opposed to the evening. So hopefully that doesn't change up too many things for you, but I'm going to do my best. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hopefully this is a good ride. Tune in tomorrow for Weekends with Swipa, kind of crossover edition, Avengers edition with Adam Morris, Matt Moore, Swipa Cam, and myself. 2 p.m. Mountain Time. Don't be late. Hit that like button on the way out. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.